0: Welcome to the Women in Government podcast. Whether discussing important issues or policies of the day, this is a place where lawmakers and decision makers unite to get the conversation started.
1: Low bone mass and the deterioration of bone tissue are two ways to describe osteoporosis. More than 53 million people either have this bone disease or are at a high risk of bone fractures due to low bone mass. How does this affect us on a state level, and what does this mean for our country's overall health and wellness? Aloha, I'm Hawaii State House Representative Lauren Matsumoto and Women in Government Board Vice Chair. A recent report reveals how osteoporosis exacts a huge human and economic toll across the United States. Joining me to discuss the cost of osteoporotic fractures is Illinois State Senator Julie Morrison. She recently sponsored a resolution to help promote bone health with two of our fellow senators. Hello, Senator Morrison.
0: I'm so glad to be with you today, Representative, on this important topic. Thanks for having me.
1: We're excited to have you. We also have Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Thanks for joining us, Claire.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you all for covering this very important topic
1: yes before we get started i wanted to thank everyone who's listening and remind you to like or share our podcast you can also email us by visiting women in the march 2021 milliman analysis commissioned by the bone health and osteoporosis foundation formerly the National Osteoporosis Foundation, discovered that about 1.8 million Medicare beneficiaries suffered more than 2 million osteoporotic fractures in 2016. That's a pretty big number. Claire, can you briefly tell us about these types of fractures? How do they happen and who's the most at risk? Yes, absolutely. It is a staggering
2: number when we think about the impact of osteoporosis on our communities. The types of fractures can be really any fracture of the body except your head and your fingers are the only ones that we do not consider osteoporotic. But fractures of the spine and the hip are the most common fractures. And they can happen for a number of reasons. Some people with severe osteoporosis can break a bone in their spine just from a gentle hug or a sneeze, believe it or not. But most people fracture after a fall. And we recommend that anyone over the age of 50 who breaks a bone from a fall from a standing height should be getting a bone density test to determine if osteoporosis is the underlying cause. It doesn't matter if you tripped over a stool or a cord or your rug, or it was black ice that you fell on. If you break a bone, you should get a bone density test to see if you have osteoporosis. And there's a lot of people who are at risk. Obviously, if we're talking about 54 million people in the country, the people most at risk are at risk for things that are both controllable and uncontrollable risk factors. The uncontrollable risk factors are being a woman, being of menopause age or entering menopause, we lose up to 20% of our bone mass in the first five to seven years postmenopausal. believe it or not. That's why people think it's a woman's disease, but it happens to men too, just at a later age. People who have low body weight or people who have a family history of osteoporosis, so if your parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, if any of them had osteoporosis, your risk of getting osteoporosis is much higher. The things we can control are diet and exercise. So those who eat a well-balanced, healthy diet, including calcium and vitamin D, and those who get enough exercise, you know, weight-bearing, muscle-strengthening exercises, not being sedentary, are the risk factors that we can control. And
1: two others are not smoking and not
2: drinking too much. So those are the risk factors for everybody.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that, Claire. I didn't realize that your skull or your fingers wouldn't be counted into that. So such an interesting point to bring up and a lot of great facts. You know, reports show that percentages of those within the Medicare FFS system who suffered osteoporotic fractures weren't very good, especially for those with hip fractures. Claire, can you tell me a little bit more about what were those numbers and what did the report reveal regarding subsequent fractures within a year?
2: the numbers aren't great. And one of the things that we know is that fracture begets fracture. So once you have that first fracture, your chance of having another osteoporotic fracture from a fall or from some other incident increases three to seven fold. So we spent a lot of time trying to get people to realize that first fracture is a huge signal that there's something wrong and you need to get checked. But an estimated 177,000 Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries, or about 14% of those who had a new osteoporotic fracture, suffered one or more subsequent fractures in the next 12 months. So again, it's not even waiting a long time. It happens quite fast after that first fracture. So we really hope that people identify that first fracture and then move on and do something about it so we can prevent those additional fractures. And we can, and as you said, it's much more serious for those with hip fractures. Unfortunately, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in our conversation, there's a huge mortality risk with hip fractures. And many people do die in a kind of downward spiral past once they have a hip fracture. But there's also a huge burden for families and patients in that about half of the patients will have to use an ambulatory device for the rest of their lives. It means a cane or a walker or something. And another 25% will end up having to go to assisted living or nursing home facilities. So again, there's a huge impact on all of us, both the caregivers and the patients, Never mind the economic and the healthcare system when we have these fractures.
1: I mean, this is something that really hits home for me. My grandfather, when he was working on our family's egg farm, He fell and ended up with a hip fracture. And the things that we had to go through afterwards was a lot. And it was a big burden on the family. And it was difficult. He wasn't able to ever return back to work. And so this is a really important issue. You know, fortunately, in my home state of Hawaii, we have the lowest number of osteoporotic fractures in the country. However, you know, these numbers really range from state to state. For instance, Hawaii is 318.7 per 10,000, whereas Kentucky is 472.2 and Florida is 468.5. Those two numbers are 13 and 12% higher than the national average. Now, you know, Senator Morrison, Illinois numbers fall somewhere in the middle, around 340.9. Can you tell us a little bit about how these types of fractures affect your state?
0: As you mentioned, Illinois falls in the middle of these statistics, but but even one fracture is really too many. In Illinois alone, 67,000 patients suffered over 79,000 osteoporotic fractures in just one year. And we know that timely bone health screenings, diagnosis, and treatment can help prevent those fractures. And that often leads to hospitalizations or nursing home stays. That's why we are taking steps in Illinois to bring awareness and support to those struggling with the disease and working to help future generations from being diagnosed.
1: Yeah, that extra cost of care is a lot. And so, can you tell us what that has meant for the cost of fracture care in your state?
0: When we think about the cost of fracture care, we often only think about the initial visit to the doctor, but it goes beyond that. The physical therapy, other potential surgeries, long hospitalizations, nursing home stays. And unfortunately, it's not always as simple as putting a cast on someone and sending them home. The most common fractures happen in people's spines and hips and those are not easily fixable. The average health cost for fracture care caused by osteoporosis is upwards of $30,000. There is significant economic burden associated with fractures, including high total cost of care. As I said, in my state of Illinois, 67,000 patients suffered over 79,000 fractures, estimated to cost over $260 million. That's real money out of someone's pocket. Early identification and treatment of patients and high risk of fractures are absolutely paramount to reduce fracture risk and associated healthcare costs.
1: The medical care required after an osteoporotic fracture is expensive. For example, the estimated 3,000 Hawaii Medicare FFS beneficiaries with both Parts A and B coverage who suffered a new fracture in 2016 incurred more than $36,000 in the year following the fracture. And that's just in my state. Claire, I want to turn to you. Can you give us an idea about the cost on the national level? I'm guessing that number must be staggering. It varies a little bit by state, but on the national level, we found the
2: incremental cost for a first fracture is a little over $21,000 per fracture, right? You're timesing that by, as we said, over $2.1 million. Secondary osteoporotic fractures, the cost exceeds 30000 So again, it goes up every time we have a fracture. And so in the Millman report it basically showed that when we were looking at this data from 2016, the full Medicare fee for service data, the cost was about $5.7 billion, which again is a staggering number, but the number of osteoporotic fractures are likely to increase by 68% by 2040. So that means the estimated cost is expected to be about $95 billion. And again, this is something that we can address together. We can do a better job of identifying and meeting the needs of fracture patients and preventing those subsequent fractures. And obviously when we're talking about an economic toll of 95 billion in you know, a couple of decades, we really
1: need to do something about it now. Wow, it's such a huge issue, especially if it's supposed to increase by 2040. You know, How has this affected mobility for people in America? And after reviewing the report, I understand many people turn to nursing homes for care.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, I mentioned earlier, 25% end up in a nursing home after a fracture. And so the data that we looked at, that meant about almost 42,000 of those beneficiaries with an osteoporotic fracture became institutionalized in nursing homes within about three years. So that's really incredible for patients who expect to be able to go home after a fracture. And unfortunately, that's just not the case for so many People who have an osteoporotic fracture have three times the annual rate of a new fracture within a year. So like I said, even if you don't break a hip the first time and you survive it and you don't end up in a nursing home, the chances of you fall and fracturing again go up three times that of other people on Medicare. So again, it is staggering numbers. And the more we know about it, the more we can do to address it at both the state and federal level.
1: Thank you, Claire. I know we've had a lot of conversation about subsequent fractures. Senator, what has this meant in terms of cost regarding the skilled nursing facilities in Illinois?
0: The sad reality is that once someone has one osteoporosis related fracture, they very often will have another one. And that's especially true for women. These fractures can result in not just chronic pain and decreased quality of life, but loss of independence leads many people to have to enter a nursing home facility. And as you know, a skilled nursing home facility is staffed 24 hours a day round the clock. That is very costly. As we see more people suffering from these life altering fractures, we see more entering skilled nursing facilities. In my state of Illinois, the Medicaid program pays for care in a skilled nursing facility if a person's physician Says such care is needed and his or her decision is approved by the program. The average cost of a nursing home in Illinois, this is the average cost, is $175 per day. It really adds up.
1: You're right. And from what I've experienced with my own family, there's the cost associated with these fractures, but it extends so much further than just finances there's a human toll that's really quite eye-opening. Claire, deaths from osteoporotic fractures vary substantially across the states. Can you explain the findings that Milliman compiled that targeted individual state-specific reports?
2: Yeah, we touched on this a little bit about you know what happens after a hip fracture. You know, they either have an ambulatory device or they go to a nursing home. But sadly, 30% of hip fracture patients die within the first 12 months of a fracture. And like you, Senator, when I heard that statistic, it was right after my mom broke her hip and she was 81. My siblings and I could not believe that that would be how my mother would die from a hip fracture and the subsequent deterioration that happens. But that's the reality. Unfortunately, for like we said, 30% of hip fracture patients within the US and of all osteoporotic fractures, so not just hip, 19% Die within the first 12 months of a fracture. I can't think of any other chronic disease that has those death rates and mortality rates that aren't well known and that people aren't up in arms about and doing something and demanding
1: better care for.
2: But unfortunately, we just neglect our skeletal health.
1: That's so true. You know, when you're thinking of mortality rates and things, hip fractures aren't the first thing that come to mind for me. Senator, maybe let's turn to you. What are the mortality rates in your state? They
0: totally back up what was just discussed. The injuries account for a large portion of morbidity and mortality associated with these fractures. The Mulliman report, which we referenced earlier, showed that in Illinois, about 20% or 10,300 Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries died within one year. And it's even higher when it's a hip fracture. That number jumps up to
1: 28%. Thank you for handling this topic with such care. I know it's always difficult to discuss the human toll associated with any disease. And Claire, for you personally with your mother, I wanted to also talk about something else that is quite important, the racial and ethnic disparities in fracture incidence, care and death. Claire, can you tell us a little bit about the research regarding these differences? For Black beneficiaries in Medicare, we did see that
2: 22% died within 12 months of the initial osteoporotic fracture. So that exceeds that national average we just discussed earlier at 19%. It's 22% for Black beneficiaries. And just 5% were tested within six months of a new fracture. And that's when we need treatment and action the most. And yet, Again, I don't think people think that Black women or men will have an osteoporotic fracture, so they don't get any follow up. And then, even when they are identified, they're 30% less likely to get physical therapy after a fracture compared to other populations. And again, they're 2.3 times higher the risk of destitution in a year following a spine fracture. So, there are definitely things within this report that show. The disparities across not only our state communities, but also within our communities. And I think that's something very important to address as we think about what can be done to improve the wealth and health and well being of all of our constituents. Then we have to realize that this is a disease that impacts everyone, and everyone deserves proper care following a fracture.
1: How about those with chronic conditions? So chronic
2: conditions can impact osteoporosis tremendously. There are many, many comorbid conditions that impact osteoporosis patients. So people with diabetes, women with breast cancer, men with prostate cancer, lupus, irritable bowel syndrome, younger people with anorexia or bulimia, all of those conditions have a huge toll on your bone health. And therefore, can lead to osteoporosis at different stages of life. And then, when as we look at like the impact of osteoporosis as compared to other disease, where we think about it, again, I know we were talking earlier a little bit about that mortality impact on patients who have osteoporosis. We've done comparisons about the number of new cases per hundred thousand Medicare beneficiaries for women with breast cancer. It's four hundred and six. And for hip fractures in women, it's 776. And the deaths for breast cancer are 148, but for hip fractures, it's 169. So when you think about some of these diseases that we know well impact women and know that they have such a huge toll on the patient as well as mortality, and yet for hip fractures, it's greater. And as we said, it's just not known. And so That's why these kinds of programs are so important, that people will know how much they need to prepare and take care of their skeletal health in order to live those long, healthy lives we all hope to live.
1: The burden of osteoporosis may be reduced through both primary prevention efforts like targeted intervention and treatment programs that aim to improve screening and treatment, However, generating public awareness is also an important first step. Senator, can you tell us about your efforts behind Illinois State Resolution 723? What steps did you take to make it happen?
0: It really kind of started when Claire and one of her associates at Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation reached out to me with the idea for a resolution that declared May Bone Health and Osteoporosis Awareness Month. They even gave me a template of the text, which made this super easy. It struck a chord with me because there are many people in my life who have osteoporosis. And I've seen how detrimental those fractures can be. Osteoporosis is often a silent disease too. It just doesn't become prevalent until someone suffers that first fracture. And it's really important that whether you're 26 or 86, that you know the signs and what you can do to keep yourself healthy. Because once the onset of osteoporosis seems sudden and begins, people can take a stand starting at a young age and minimize the chances of that poor bone health. You know, we have all different kinds of screenings that we do. We do mammograms and colonoscopies and bone mineral density scans, all those things have become commonplace and are really just integrated into what we do for our health screenings on a routine basis. We need to add an osteoporosis factor
1: to this. Thank you again for all of the time and effort you've put behind that. Illinois is not the only state proclaiming May as Osteoporosis Awareness and Prevention Month. There are a handful of others, Claire, can you tell us which other states are on board and what can be done to get even more involved? We
2: were really very fortunate and appreciate so much that we got such great response when we did reach out to senators across the country. So Georgia, Maryland, Nevada, New York, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and West Virginia joined Illinois in declaring May as Osteoporosis Awareness and Prevention Month. And we would love to have more states join that for May 2023. As Senator Morrison said, there is a toolkit that we have available that makes it really simple, that provides information that can be specific to your state and anything else that you need that we can do to help make that happen at your state level would be greatly appreciated. And so you'll be hearing from us through Women in Government and through other sources, but we really do hope that we can make a much larger outreach this year and get many more states to join in to raising awareness during May and throughout the year.
1: That's great. I'll work on getting Hawaii to be part of that list. As we wrap up, I'm wondering if there are any key policy recommendations from the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. I know that's really helpful for many of our listeners.
2: Absolutely. I mean, in addition to the awareness raising, as we just mentioned, through the May event, the other critical things are happening at a federal level. And we encourage everyone to visit our website, bonehealthandosteoporosis.org, to find out more. We do have legislation going through that would raise the reimbursement rate for bone density exams. That, like I said, The critical tool we use Just as we talked about mammograms and colonoscopies, we need bone density tests. And right now, the reimbursement rate is so low that we're losing thousands of clinicians who are no longer able to provide those tests in their offices because they can't afford to keep the machines running. And so that's just unacceptable. So there's more information about that on our website. And that's how everyone can get involved and call their congressional leaders and colleagues and say, it's important that we make this happen. And then again, doing things on the state level that will help raise awareness in your own communities and enhance all the great work that's being done on the state level for May's osteoporosis awareness and prevention. month.
1: Thank you so much. Those are such great tips. And now I'd like to provide some time for closing statements. Senator Morrison, let's start with you.
0: I think as women legislators, We have a really unique opportunity to use our voice, to reach out not just to the residents of our districts, but statewide. And I hope that next year we see all 50 states declaring a month to emphasize and focus on this very important developing health issue. We now know so much more about how to prevent it it's time that we really just step up and manifest some of the plans that we have.
1: Thank you, Senator Morrison. Claire, do you have any final thoughts? I just wanna thank you so much for taking the time to bring this
2: to the attention of everyone within women in government, as well as in your own states and your own constituencies. It really is something that can have such a dramatic impact on all of us, um, ourselves and our families. And so it really means a lot that you all are taking the time to focus on this. And I really do think that it's through your leadership that we will be able to make a difference at both the state and federal level. So thank you so much for having me today.
1: Well, I wanted to thank you both for sharing your wisdom on such an important topic. I've learned so much today as well. Osteoporosis is far more than a bone disease. It is a reason for many state legislators and industry leaders to come together with a common goal in mind of generating better patient outcomes. As we heard, more than 53 million people either have this bone disease or are at a high risk of bone fractures due to low bone mass. The action we take today to address the differences in the economic and clinical impact of fractures suffered by Americans on Medicare can have an everlasting effect on the communities we love and share with our family members and neighbors. Thank you for listening to the Women in Government podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to, like, or share our content. You can also email us by visiting womeningovernment.org. You've
0: been listening to the Women in Government podcast, a resource made available for those interested in discussing important issues and policies of the day. For more information, please visit our website at womeningovernment.org.